Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you on this glorious day, which an optimist such as myself can only uh, hope for nothing but the best. Uh, this is Beyond Governance, your favorite show here at 101.9 High FM. And thanks for allowing us in your space as we continue to bring you exciting uh, views and analysis from our subject matter experts. Uh, guess what? World Cup is here. Qatar is happening. And I'm sure soccer fans are delighted about the spectacle that is currently underway. Our allegiance, of course, as Africans is certainly with, it is unquestionable, particularly when the continent has 54 member states in FIFA and yet uh, only five spots are allocated to the continent out of 32 that are, are taking part in the World Cup. It's evident that the geopolitics are quite driving FIFA. Uh, for an example, you know, geographically, Europe is smaller than Asia. Africa and North America, South America, and yet there are 13 countries that are participating in the spectacle. Uh, someone in the lower world give us a sense of how, you know, these stats, you know, make sense. For ordinary folk like myself, these stats don't make sense at all. Uh, anyway, moving away from soccer, I'm joined by Renita Dorica, who is a partner in Corporate Reporting Services Department at PwC, as well as the leader of PwC Africa. I'm also joined by Ronel from PwC as well. Ronel Fauri is a director uh, in the Corporate Reporting Services Department at PwC as well. The two colleagues will give us insights on integrated reporting awards, which has been conceived and implemented by the Governance Institute of Southern Africa as PwC as well as Johannesburg Stock Exchange. I've been privileged to, you know, be judging as well as attending some of the uh, integrated awards. For 2022, we saw NetBank emerging as the overall winner and companies such as Impala, Platinum, Redefine and Auditor General of South Africa winning in their respective categories. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome my esteemed colleagues, Renita, uh, welcome, and, Re- and Ronel, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nimrod. We are very pleased to be part of your show, and we're looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Yes, thank you so much um, for the opportunity, and uh, yeah, I enjoy, hopefully enjoy this, the discussion. Most, most definitely indeed. You know, in my prelude, I indicated that this venture is a partnership between uh, PwC, Johannesburg Stock Exchange, as well as the Governance Institute of Southern Africa. Um, could you just maybe take us through how it was conceived? What was the overall philosophy behind it before we get to the gist of who did what and when? Sure, maybe I can kick off, uh, Nimrod. So... The Chartered Governance Institute of South Africa Awards, uh, um, you know, it certainly has a long history. Uh, it started in 1956, uh, and its main aim uh, is really to reward excellence in corporate reporting. Uh, so it was originally called the Annual Report Awards. Uh, and in 2013, uh, when the International Integrated Reporting Council uh, published the International Integrated Reporting Framework, uh, uh, it was renamed uh, to the Integrated Reporting uh, Awards. Uh, and, you know, naturally then the awards also shifted shifted its focus to uh, integrated reporting. Uh, so our involvement, uh, you know, from a PwC perspective 
was initiated by our previous CEO of, of PwC, who was Suresh Khanna, uh, and he's now a trustee of the IFRS Foundation. Uh, so that's really how PwC uh, involvement started. Uh, maybe just a little bit more around PwC's role is, you know, we really a non-monetary sponsor. So we act as the convener of judges uh, during the awards evaluation process. Uh, oh, interesting uh, points that you've just made in terms of how uh, the integrated awards evolved over a period of time. Uh, that's a very useful uh, bit of historical reflection. Um, it is clearly a creme de la creme event, which I'm mean, based on the kind of uh, corporates that participate um, and across the spectrum, that it, it is a big event. What would be, in your view, the, the glue that brings all the, the, the glue, if you like, that brings all these companies into that kind of spotlight? I think, you know, so, so I think if you think about, um, entry into the, the awards, uh, um, you know, that's really managed by the CGISA. And organizations can actually voluntarily, uh, enter their latest integrated rewards into the, you know, there's nine categories, uh, so we voluntarily review uh, the top 40 companies, uh, um, and we do have a list of criteria uh, which we look at, you know, when we're evaluating the, uh, the awards, which I'm sure Ronal would be happy to go into. On that note, you want to just quickly come in, Ronal, in terms of these types of categories that companies go into in terms of submitting the, their reports and displaying their interest in being considered Yes, um, thanks, Nimrod. I think what makes this award uh, unique is that companies do not compete uh, with the top 40. Uh, they really compete with their peers, so depending on where they might find themselves um, within the South African um, landscape. So there's a, a top 40 category of which we review all the reports or the judges review all the reports. Then there's also mid-cap, small-cap, fledgling, and that's all based on the JSE's categorization of these companies. And then there's also a category for state-owned entities um, and public sector entities in which they can really compare themselves um, to their peers. Uh, because some of these categories, I suppose, especially within the top 40 mid-cap, are quite a bit more mature within um, their application of integrated reporting. Then, interestingly enough, a very exciting and interesting categories are the unlisted organizations. So organizations that uh, really voluntarily apply integrated reporting because of the benefits they gain from it. And then we also have regional organizations. So those are entities that um, are not South African by origin, but that are also applying integrated reporting. And then another category, or the last one, is NGOs. Um, definitely an interesting read to understand um, how these NGOs uh, perceive themselves within their, um, I suppose, uh, environment and in which stakeholders uh, they are focused on. You know, one of the benefits is that uh, each of the entrants actually receives detailed and personalized feedback from the judges uh, who adjudicate their category, which is, of course, uh, you know, very valuable for organizations in preparing their reports going forward. Uh, so definitely a value add coming out of the whole evaluation process. Uh. 
the interesting inputs there. But let me just go back to some of the issues that you have raised, Ronel, that um, we've got the top 40, we've got SOEs, got unlisted organizations, got regional organization and POs. These obviously different categories of companies that enlist their, their views, so to speak, in terms of integrated reporting. You indicated that, you know, the unlisted organizations who obviously have a different feel to it. Um, could take us, take us through in terms of what is unique about unlisted companies. We still get to the original NPOs and out of you, uh, a little bit more on unlisted companies and what is the value of them coming through displaying or wanting to be considered for integrated reporting. I know certainly, um, Nimrod, I think there's a lot that's been published around the benefits of integrated reporting. And um, these companies, um, I assume, I mean, doing something like an integrated report on a voluntary basis definitely requires quite a bit of time investment and resource investment. But um, from the reports, it's it's interesting to to see how these companies unpack how they create value for their stakeholders. So they believe that um, presenting that story of um, value creation in the longer term gives them a good footing within their environment and allows them, I, I suppose, an easy way to engage with all their stakeholders, whether it is their funders, um, their own investors, even though they're unlisted, their employees, um, their suppliers, their customers, their broader stakeholder base. That's a very useful input that you've given us. I tell you what, while we, you know, getting heated up on this very interesting topic, let's let's take a quick break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus Ninety Four Research, the science of decision making. Welcome back. Uh, we have just started a very interesting conversation with Renita Dawika, who is a partner in the Corporate Reporting Services Department at PwC, as well as Ronel Faree, uh, who is also a director in the Corporate Reporting Services at WC. We are pretty much unpacking the, the very prestigious integrated awards that are hosted by Chartered Governance Institute of Southern Africa, PwC as well as Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Before we took that break, Ronello as well as Ronita were giving us insights on some of the benefits or issues that have been raised through integrated reporting by unlisted companies. Um, Ronello was giving us a more, you know, insight in terms of the value creation and in terms of how these companies are interfacing or creating value for the stakeholders, shareholders, and how those values are being communicated through integrated reporting, as it were. But maybe let's just go back again and look at the benefits, obviously, you've indicated. Are they the same with MPOs? Are they the same with the Johnny Speck Stock Exchange uh, listed companies? Or are they different? For somebody who's hearing integrated reports for the first time, what what would you say the differences are in terms of the gist of integrated reporting? Yes, and I think that's that's an important question because um, embarking on a process of preparing an integrated report, especially on a voluntary basis, is um, is certainly quite a big task. Now, um, Renita can perhaps um, take us through a little bit of the history of, of where we got to integrated reporting in South Africa. But from my perspective, I don't think that reporting on non-financial information or sustainability information is new. So when integrated reporting 
when the framework was issued around um, the early uh, 2010, 2011, 2012, thereabouts, it wasn't a brand new concept. It was just a framework that, that I suppose in a very uh, practical way captures how an entity uh, integrates both its financial and non-financial information into a report in which it could tell its own story to its um, stakeholders and the users of that report. So if you think historically, we've had reporting guidelines like triple bottom line, um, social environmental accounting, uh, intellectual property accounting, or, or uh, I think at some point was was the thing, and sustainability accounting. But historically, all of that was done in a silo. So you manage your financials, you produce financial statements, and then on the side there's a department that looks at sustainability in a silo and, um, you know, often not um, having the ear of the C-suite, but doing things uh, like CSR related on the side. But th- that uh, period is long gone. Companies can really not sustain um, it's, or create value in the long term without integrating both their financial and their sustainability aspects. Uh, currently, I suppose that the buzzword is ESG, so environmental, social, and governance concepts within their day-to-day management of a business. So if you incorporate um, environment, social, and especially governance as, a, as a, an umbrella over all of that, along with your financial management, into your strategy, into your business model, the integrated reporting framework just ends up being a mechanism in which to report on that management. Now, the phrase that integrated reporting has coined for this type of integrated management is integrated thinking. And you really can't produce a high-quality integrated report without this integration of ESG and financial management in the business, in the the manner envisaged by integrated thinking. Thank you very much for that uh, insight, Blair, which is quite useful. Ravita, do you, you want to add, or should we, on the issue that raised by Ronel, particularly on integrated thinking, which I, I really like because you cannot uh, begin to comprehend the value creation of an entity if you don't bring to life integrated thinking and how, how ESGs, uh, uh, you know, being looked at and how the value has been created, how different units within organizations coherently work together towards a common goal. Yeah, no, I completely agree with, uh, you know, everything that Renal has said. Um, you know, in my mind, uh, an integrated report uh, is, you know, certainly a more holistic perspective on an organization's ability to create value uh, for all its stakeholders. So not just uh, its investors uh, uh, over the short, medium and and long uh, term. And I think often, you know, if uh, uh, integrated thinking is missing from an integrated report, uh, then a reader will easily be able to pick up that the report is uh, uh, disingenuous. Absolutely. Well, one of the issues that we have picked up um, in the context of corporate governance scandals that from time to time we read about in media through different platforms, to what extent these companies are not being considered or considered for integrated reporting, 
Uh, what are the issues? I mean, first let's look at the qualifying criteria. This is obviously a voluntary platform. You know, companies make sub- submissions uh, and for them to display how they create value. But what have been in instances where you pick up that there's been malfeasance by a company that wants to be considered? Well, uh, Nimrod, I, I suppose that's, you know, quite a controversial topic and then Certainly something top of mind for, from a South African perspective. Uh, we try to, um, you know, I think Renita mentioned disingenuous, not being genuine or authentic um, in reporting. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the framework that the judges consider, if we can look at that, we obviously don't um, require the judges to do a complete media search on the companies that they assess. But in order to understand or, or to measure the criteria of reliability and completeness um, and to score a company on re- reliability and completeness, we do ask company, um, as per judges to just reflect on the media that they're aware of around particular companies, media reports, and whether the company addresses those issues within its report. So uh, not all, uh, I suppose not all companies um, have uh, smooth sailing um, throughout the years. There might be issues that pop up. But what we would expect is that a company addresses those issues in a transparent manner in its integrated report. When it talks about governance, when it talks about the reliability of the information provided in the report. So... Um, Putting forward just a positive picture points out that the report is not completely genuine or, I suppose, transparent because everything is not, um, you know, all sunshine and roses, I suppose, Absolutely. in most cases. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the trick, therefore, is the extent to which companies are able to, based on what the judges would have picked up, um, and especially, I mean, you take it, a company such as Stanoff. I mean, that's public knowledge. If a startup, for example, were to submit uh, their report, but in the reports begin to highlight how some of the governance glitches are being addressed, I suppose the judging will consider those. I mean, we have EOH as well. EOH has been in public space, and the new management for EOH came in and pointed out those malfeasance and, again, communicated Measures that they are taking to address uh, those issues which were created by their predecessors. It does obviously give some level of confidence to the public and the shareholders that the new management is open, it's frank, and and discloses or personally appreciate the kind of challenges that organization have gone through and they are in the process of remedying those. So that's what I'm I'm picking up from your end. No, certainly. I think... um it's talking about the positive and the negative. So reflecting on the negative in an objective manner. I mean, we're not saying give the, the negative more prominence than the, than the positive, but have a balanced view on both. And perhaps if there's a negative elements, describe the governance around those elements, uh, describe um, the mitigating actions if there's risks identified that are negative or impact negatively on the company. So it's really just about being transparent. Just to reiterate what Renal said there is, uh, 
I think the bottom line is that the integrated report is not an advertisement. Uh, you know, it's not a public relations document. Uh, um, so, you know, we really need preparers to step up, uh, share balance perspective. Uh, um, and like Ronald said, it's both the positive and the negative news. Uh, so share your challenges. How have you overcome it? Uh, what are the obstacles to, you know, achieving your strategies? So we really need better balance in the integrated reports overall. Interesting indeed. Let us perhaps maybe focus our energies on the regional organizations, which, which is quite unique because I suppose the judges are able to look at what is happening outside the borders of South Africa. I mean, regional organization, I'm sure we include Lesotho, Swaziland, Namibia, and sort of, so take us through typical organizations that come from the region that make submissions and how have they compared with South African counterparts? Yes, no, certainly we can do that. I think we're always quite delighted um, by regional entries. So in this year, the regional category um, was won by the National Social Security Fund of Uganda, and the Merit Award went to SAFRICOM um, PLC. So these entities, I think, really go above and beyond to comply with the framework, even though it's not a requirement perhaps in their jurisdiction. Uh, and I think um, there are too few of those. Um, we really would encourage more regional entities to take up the journey of integrated reporting and, and perhaps submit their reports. I think the important thing is that you don't have to submit a winning report. As mm-hmm. Renita mentioned, um, you get honest feedback from uh, judges that, that have experience in this field and um, can definitely give the companies pointers. Here, what we found is that, you know, the integrated reports in this category did vary in quality. So, you know, we found that some were excellent and and even on par with some of the top reporters in the JSE to others, you know, really requiring improvement. Uh, uh, So it does vary quite a bit, but a lot of positive trends uh, coming through uh, in the review of those reports. Uh, Interesting indeed. I mean, I would imagine um, if... Well, there's obviously a momentum that is picking up when you look at the regional entries. I'm sure that suggests a correlation between quality as well as investment. Is there a correlation in instances where a integrated reporting um, is providing an, an objective and fair assessment of how values being created and risk are being mitigated? Does that lead or could that lead to an investment by somebody who looks at this uh, integrated report and say, well, this is something that I can, this is an entity that I can invest in based on, you know, the material nature of what has been cited in the integrated, integrated reporting and the, the, the value or the, you know, shared values that has been created. Can one get to that kind of a conclusion based on the, the quality of integrated reporting? There have actually been a number of studies, um, academic studies that talk to this fact and, and try to, to plot a correlation between the share prices of entities and the quality or, um, of their reporting. And um, if I recall, I mean, I don't know any, I can't quote any of the articles offhand, but um, uh, within the research, there was a positive color- correlation. So certainly a very interesting topic and something that um, a lot of uh, academics have, have tried to, to prove um, to find that correlation. But I do think that even if, um, even by applying integrated thinking, 
and getting your business model um, articulated in a, in a visual manner, understanding the strategy and integrating all the elements of ESG and financial management into your strategy gives you a better story. doesn't matter which platform you communicate uh, with stakeholders, whether it's through an integrated report, whether it's communi- communicating with employees. It's just a holistic way of talking about the business. So I certainly think there's a lot of benefits beyond just the integrated report. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to reference some of those studies too. I couldn't agree with you more because, I mean, I find it very fascinating. I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't take rocket science that when you look at some quality of these reports, one could almost get a sense of what is actually happening within an entity. The boards, as an example, as the overarching architect of an organization, the types of conversation that takes place at the board level, uh, the types of resolution that they, they are adopting and so on and so forth does somehow give a sense of what kind of an entity is this. And the subcommittees of the boards, um, you know, the kind of conversation that happens in those levels and what are the, you know, benchmarks which they look at, the assessment of the boards, evaluation of the boards, those kinds of con- conversation does in my mind, at least, give a sense of the quality of men and women who are presiding on those entities. Your take on that? That's a good observation, uh, Nimrod. And I think you, you also have a keen interest in, in governance, um, uh, as, a, as I've noticed over the, the years that, that we've been um, involved in this award. So uh, my take on it is that an, a good quality integrated report certainly gives insight into the board and the committee agenda. Uh, initially, at the start of integrated reporting, there was a lot of, I suppose, boilerplate terms of reference type disclosure. But the terms of reference um, for a committee or for the board doesn't tell you much. It tells you mm-hmm. what they should be doing, not really what they're doing. So good integrated reports, there are four things that, that I think from a board perspective they address. They talk about the skills and diversity of the board and the committees. And in terms of diversity, perhaps some targets around diversity and how they plan to achieve those. A good integrated report in the governance space talks about the culture, the ethics and the values of an organization and how that permeates throughout the organization and engagement with its stakeholders. It also talks about, thirdly, how the organization suppose implements its governance practices do they have a risk-averse uh, mindset, perhaps? And I think what, what the integrated reporting framework talks about, it says to which extent do they exceed in their governance practices legal requirements? So there I would think about something like tax compliance. So do the bare minimum to pay the bare minimum tax, or do you actually take a step back and be responsible in your um, compliance with something like the tax legislation? And pay your fair share. And then lastly, something that we look at uh, for good integrated reports is how remuneration and incentives link back to the strategy of the organization. And that's really a decision made at a governance level. So how does the REMCO incorporate uh, broader ESG metrics into the remuneration and incentives of management? So I think those are the four things 
There's so many more, but those are the four I'd like to highlight. Absolutely. On that note, let's take a quick break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. I'm joined by Renita Barrica, who is a partner in Corporate Reporting Services at PwC, as well as Ronald Faree, who's also a director in the Corporate Reporting Service Department at WC. We are talking about the prestigious integrated awards that have been hosted by Chartered Governance Institute of South Africa, PwC, and the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Before we took that break, we got a very interesting observation from Ronel in terms of the governance or the quality of, of reporting, reflecting organizational culture, reflecting the mindset, reflecting on legal requirements. Because those kinds of issues, when you cast your eyes in the overall quality of integrated reporting from the governance point of view, you really get to see the types of conversation that are taking place at that level because, you know, they're talking about boards, talking about diversity, uh, how they address issues and what are the risks and so on and so forth. One of the issues that you highlighted, Ronel, which I want Renita maybe to come in here in terms of the overall observation of integrated reporting is the issue of uh, remuneration uh, and incentives, which I found very interesting, particularly when you're looking at the pay gap between uh, men and women, even at executive level. Because that's where you really begin to see how boards are engaged with those issues. We know pay parity is an issue, even at the struggles because stock exchange, women are still paid far less than men for the for the same kind of job. So it is interesting to see how some organizations are beginning to apply fair compensation based on how specifically address this particular issue. What has been observation from that end when you look at pay parity when you look at the conversation that is happening at the board level on that score. Ranita? Yeah, so I definitely think, uh, you know, it's suddenly hitting the agenda recently. Um, and I think uh, that uh, uh, that is definitely stemming from the fact that uh, we do have all of these uh, investors and we have all of these stakeholder activist bodies uh, that are certainly calling for uh, better disclosure around, uh, uh, you know, pay gap, gender pay gap, uh, and so on. So we're definitely seeing more focus around that. It's, it's hitting the agenda of, of board, of board, uh, board agendas. But, you know, there, I think there's certainly still a long way to go when it comes to the disclosure. Um, and I think in some ways, you know, companies do fear that if they're transparent around these issues, that it would impact them negatively. So I think the discussions are happening, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, we yet to see a uh, clear and transparent disclosure around, uh, around this topic. I couldn't agree with you more because I've, I've personally had an interest in probing more on the kind of issues that most boards 
deal with, and this is one issue that is quite thin. You know, in the targets, you can, you know, pretty much get the targets. But when it comes to incentives and remuneration, um, the kind of conversation that is happening there, um, it, you know, most, most reports that I've seen, uh, are quite, are quite thin. But be that as it may, as you have correctly pointed out, these are kind of conversations that are beginning to pick up and, and getting a sense that, um, you know, issues of, of, of pay parity are gaining, uh, traction and are inevitable conversations that organizations must deal with, um, you know, in particularly when they want to, 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 to transform and only just transformation, but it's also a matter of, of good practice, uh, because, uh, pay parity between men and women is a value creation, which, which, which is undisputed. But as we proceed on that score, I mean, you know, let's look at the, the, the other category that you've mentioned, Ronel, that of, of NPOs. What has been your observation on the quality of integrated reporting which NPOs produce? Uh, bear in mind that it's a very costly exercise to put these things together. Yeah, your, your take on that. Um, thanks, Nimrod. Yes, the NPOs um, definitely have uh, increased in quality, I think, over the years. So some of the, the comments from judges this year was that their, the reports are easy to read, um, concise, and they actually give the, the reader a holistic picture of the objectives of the NGO. Uh, there's a lot, um, I suppose NGOs don't have that profits angle to, to, or, or uh, financial reward angle to, to their performance. So they're really telling the story. And giving an overview of their um, objectives and how they're trying to achieve those objectives. The disclosure of strategy was also something that the judges mentioned was of high quality. And uh, it really helps the, the reader to discern the rest of the information as strategy is often used as a, a link to integrate the whole of the report. Um, where these reports might, might have areas for development relate to where they disclose risks and opportunities. Uh, so that was found to be a little bit light. Um, around governance, as, as we just discussed, um, we, uh, the judges have mentioned that there's not always a lot uh, said about uh, from a governance perspective. And the performance metrics are not always linked back to the capitals uh, that are referenced in the integrated reporting um, framework. And then there's also a development point around incorporating ESG information. Um, in their integrated reports. But overall, uh, the NGO category was really a good read, uh, and um, the judges said um, they enjoyed reading these reports. Interesting observation indeed. Ranita, any uh, insights on NPO based on your observations? Yeah, so I think Ronald did a pretty fantastic uh, job at summing it up. Uh, um, you know, I'm obviously quite passionate uh, as well around ESG information. So I think an overall observation, not just for NGOs or NPOs, is that, uh, you know, we can certainly improve uh, on uh, the disclosure around ESG, uh, particularly Nimrod, if, if I think you think about all of the work that's being done by the International Sustainability Standards Board, and in the role as well that your integrated report is going to play into uh, the future work plans of the ISSB. Uh, so I think it's certainly something that integrated reporting preparers should look at uh, going into the into the future. Absolutely, absolutely uh, fascinating stuff. The last category, the um, you know public sector, 
organization we've picked up the as um you know the auditor general won the award um um your take on that considering the fact that they are have been on the public eye for so many reasons and when you read that report interesting stuff is coming out in terms of how overall information is being put together what are the issues they are grappling with how those issues are being attended to your take in terms of um, you know, Auditor General being the overall winner in the public sector. What are the key issues that you have observed from that end? Yeah, so I think, you know, if we, when we looked at the public sector, um, there were certainly a number of uh, strengths in the reports that we looked at. Uh, uh, you know, most of the reports uh, did really well at identifying uh, the organization's mission and vision and also just providing a further insight and information around uh, culture and ethics. Uh, um, you know, they also did a really good job at uh, discussing operating structure, you know, market position, uh, position within the value chain, uh, and also strategic object- ob- object- objectives uh, were, well, you know, well reported on. Uh, and this included uh, discussions on the short, medium and long term strategic objectives and how they will be achieved. Um, so overall, you know, quite a few areas of strength that uh, strengths that we picked up for the public sector. And then, you know, there were some areas of development uh, just around, um, you know, the fact that the reporting boundary is, not, is uh, uh, you know, even though they they defined the reporting boundary, uh, the integrated report, uh, you know, didn't explain how the organizations determined what what matters and what is actually included in the integrated report. Uh, yeah. And then we also found that in this category, descriptions of business model were not uh, were not really good. And, and it's a point uh, for development in, in this uh, category. Interesting observations, uh, in, indeed. Um, area for improvement for um, SOEs, you know, based on integrated reporting. Your highlights on that as well, because we know the state-owned entities are in the main found wanting in so many instances, and there, there's obviously a, a quest to try and clean up governance and uh, project a very sustainable, you know, um, business model, looking at all the risk and, and, and extent to which these um, uh, entities are creating value for the shareholders and stakeholders. What seems to be the biggest issue based on the observation in relation to how the integrated reporting, um, you know, position state on entities? Yeah, so I think here, um, you know, general uh, comment for this category was, uh, that these entities should be careful not to make their reports too long. Um, so yeah. I think one of our judges, Ronal, referred to it as the thud factor. Um, you know, when just when the report is just too long, too onerous to work through. Um, so we're really just looking for concise reports uh, uh, in this area. And then, you know, it will, uh, I think even though uh, entities in this category are not bound by the requirements of the JSE, uh, and they only, to some extent, uh, uh, need to look at other regulations such as uh, uh, King 4 and the IR framework. Uh, uh, we would recommend that they still try to comply with those guidelines uh, uh, because it will ultimately ensure that those integrated reports are of the utmost quality and include everything that stakeholders want to, uh, want to see. So it's important that, stake, uh, that state-owned entities also follow the IIRC's integrated reporting framework uh, just to make sure that all the necessary elements are included in, in the report uh, and certainly just to ensure that we get more integration uh, into those reports. So the concept, again, of integrated thinking comes through clearly. 
That's true, Renita. And I think these reports have also improved um, over the time that we've been involved in, in these uh, Corporate Governance Institute of South Africa's awards. What we did find lacking, I suppose, just because our focus was a little bit on it this year, or we had more focus on it, uh, was also ESG information in this category. So that's certainly something that can improve, as we refer to in the, in the public sector category. Most certainly. Uh, on that note, let's take a, a quick break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is the Beyond Governance. We literally uh, on our last lap of a very interesting conversation I'm having with Renita, who is from PwC, as well as Ronel Fari. The conversation is about integrated awards that have been hosted by Chartered Governing Institute of Southern Africa, as PwC, as well as the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. The two esteemed colleagues have given us a bit of insight on the quality of the integrated reporting um, the last bit there, we are reflecting a little more on the state on entities and the extent to which uh, they, they are observing a bit of improvement in terms of how Team 4 guidelines as well as RC framework has been, you know, used to reflect um, the value creation which these entities are actually looking at. Uh, as we round up our conversation, Ronel as well as Renita, are we obviously going to look forward to the next take of uh, integrated reporting? What is your overall feel about the quality and the stature of these these reports as we proceed? Which categories would like to see more and more coming? So maybe from my side, um, and then I'll hand over to Renita to give her final thoughts. South Africa uh, has really been known as the home of integrated reporting. I think in many conversations now, even in the development of um, the ISSB standards that, that Renita mentioned, the other territories are looking to South Africa and their experience on integrated reporting. There's always been, um, in my view, three tiers of reporters. So you have reporters at, in the bottom tier that still um, operate in silos. There's no evidence of integrated thinking. Then you have the middle tier who are attempting to um, to apply their integrated thinking and, and report on it but perhaps don't focus on it as much, but the reports are of of a better quality. And then you really have the top tier who are exceptional world-class reporters who don't stand back to any other territory. And those reporters continue to be innovative. They continue to to develop and, and transition and really hone their reporting. But obviously the reporting reflects what's happening within the organization. So you can't have this quality in reporting if if there's nothing backing it up. So I would just continue to encourage companies to to really take a reflection on the benefits of integrated reporting and to keep at it as we all realize that that um we have a a broader role to play than just um bottom line financial profit. And that story can be can be told in the integrated report. Absolutely indeed. Um Renika? Yeah, so I think from my perspective, uh, you know, it was quite clear to us that uh, for the current year, the integrated reports really varied in quality across the spectrum of entrance. Uh, and we saw those reports, you know, ranging from excellent to requiring improvement. Uh, uh, and we actually issue a publication, you know, with all of the detailed uh, feedback around uh, the reports and summary of the judges' evaluations. Uh, 
And then we also include, you know, some tips as to how um, companies can, you know, master their integrated uh, reporting. And for us, you know, it's I think, uh, you know, the first thing is definitely to report smarter and not harder. So focus on your material matters and, you know, your key strategic messages. Uh, then we would say, you know, it's so important to create a feedback loop. Uh, so focus on the strategic outlook of the entity, uh, because this will enable investors and other stakeholders to really build an understanding of the business. Uh, you know, then we would say, um, you know, report uh, uh, clearly um, and, and identify your key stakeholders. Uh, ensure that uh, uh, their information needs are met. Uh, and then lastly, have clarity of voice uh, by capturing the language and tone used behind closed doors, uh, as this ensures that your integrated report is really authentic to uh, to its readers. Uh, so we'd certainly encourage uh, uh, preparers to uh, to keep that uh, at the front of their mind in preparing their integrated reports. Uh. Well, thank you very much, colleagues. It has been absolutely beautiful to get more insights on the quality of integrated reporting um, that you have seen over the years. It is certainly uh, a very interesting, uh, if not prestigious, awards um, ceremony that I've noticed in this particular fraternity. Thank you very much for coming through. It has been absolutely beautiful having you guys. Thank you. Thanks very much. There you are. Those are... insights uh, regarding integrated reporting that we received from Renita Dorica, who is a partner in corporate reporting services uh, at PwC, joined by Ronel Fauri, who is also a director in corporate services, uh, in corporate reporting services, also at PwC. The gist of our conversation on this glorious morning was really an appreciation of integrated awards that have been hosted by the Chartered Governance Institute of Southern Africa, alongside PwC. WC and Johannesburg Stock Exchange. We have noted very interesting observation that entries have been made across different subsectors of the economy from private sector in its entirety, public sector, as well as the NPO um, sector. We have noted that there's, there's been very interesting integrated reports that are emerging and moving forward, there's going to be more and more quality issues that submission have to look at. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it here. It has been absolutely beautiful having you on board. Uh, Look after yourself and be kind. Shalom. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.